and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there. We are glad that you've taken time out of your day to download this podcast. We certainly hope and pray that the Lord will bless you. He would be glorified, and you as our listeners would be edified. We do ask that you really would check out our website. We've gone through a lot of effort to keep it on so that people like you, listeners like you, could check us out, see what we believe in. There's a statement of faith there and different things. We've really uh, had some financial issues, been hit by tornadoes and different things here over the last few months, and we're trying to stay on the air, so we pray that you would be in prayerful consideration. We really hope and pray that that would happen. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to grab it and follow along. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about D-Day, and there is a D-Day coming and we'll talk about that as well. D-Day was the largest single-day invasion of recorded history. Just under 200,000 Allied Naval, Merchant Navy personnel, uh, over 130,000 troops. They all stretched out along a coastline in France by the name of Normandy. They, in turn, would support another 12,000 aircraft. 14,000 sorties would be uh, flown by those aircraft. And this whole goal was to get past this well-entrenched, well-defended German army that was 250,000 troops strong. And June 6th is the anniversary of D-Day, just a few days ago. And... That simply is what we call it now today. But again, I want to make this point. It was a pivotal point, turning point, uh, of the Second World War. And it happened in, uh, in such a way, it opened up the way to destruction of the Nazis, the deliverance of Europe. And we do have quite a few listeners in Europe. And I, I don't know. I've never been to Europe. If they observe the day or not, I am sure they do. As many bombs and bullets that were fired on D-Day in 1944, the day was really, really pale in comparison to the divine D-Day that is coming. This D-Day will not just just lead to be a day of destruction for unbelievers and the deliverance for believers. This idea of this divine D-Day, of course, uh, I'm talking about is Judgment Day. And, you know, I'll be flat straight out here with you. Uh, We don't talk about Judgment Day, uh, the destruction God comes and separates the uh, sheep from the goats and whatnot. It's not a popular subject because all dogs go to heaven. And so that means all people go to heaven no matter what. And we're so, this is what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Joel chapter 3, Joel chapter 3. And we're going to begin studying Joel here right after this message. 
Do you enjoy our weekly podcast? Though many of our listeners around the world in poverty-stricken nations aren't financially able to support our podcast, if you are able, we'd be grateful for your help. We offer several ways to help support the podcast on our website. Would you be in prayerful consideration in your cheerful donation or purchasing through one of our affiliates? Thank you for listening, and may He have the glory. Back here, Joel chapter 3, Joel chapter 3, and I would again, I encourage you uh, to please follow along in your Bible. Starting in verse 9, proclaim this among the nations, prepare a war, rouse the mighty men, let all the soldiers draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am mighty man. Verse 11, hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley at Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. What strikes me interesting about this section of Scripture is how confident God comes across. Uh, He sounds like a a warrior. He's summoning. uh, He's even taunting his enemy uh, to grapple with him. God is so confident of victory, he, he does not even take up a defensive type posture. This preparation for this battle, uh, he's ready for. He doesn't um, even stand up to meet the invading army. He just sits coolly on the throne of judgment. Is God overconfident? No, not at all. He has taken all these kinds of army on before. By summoning his enemies to the valley of Jehoshaphat, God seems to be engaged and he's ready for this battle because he fought this during, uh, during the king of Jehoshaphat, the fourth king of, of Judah. One day, word reached this king that the Moabites, the uh, Edomites, they were all coming. And with this was described as a vast army in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2. Although this king had a, a capable army at his disposal, he first ordered his people to fast, and then he prayed for the Lord's help. And God will answer the king's prayer by giving uh, a Levite this message. And I want to read that message. Again, it's Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to be in verse 15. And he said, Listen to all of Judah and all its inhabitants of of Jerusalem and the king of Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. We sing a song the battle belongs to the Lord. Okay, that's one of the, that's some of the words and the lyrics. 
And since this battle was the Lord's, uh, King Jehoshaphat, he, he and his army, they marched to the battle site and they simply observed what God would do. And as they marched, they sang this again, uh, a familiar song to us. Uh, in verse 21, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That does not sound like much of approach of a battle cry, but it was and is. And the king and all his men were already giving thanks for the victory they knew God was going to grant them. When they arrived at the battleground, they saw dead bodies of the enemy all around them. Not one soldier from this invading army was left alive, according to the scripture here. Because God had caused uh, the enemy to fight one another. Kind of sounds like our country today and other cultures around the world. Uh, where they're all, we're all fighting each other. Uh, whether it be race, uh, the political views that we might have, religious views we might have. I mean, the list is probably endless. And as long as we're fighting each other, uh, we're a divided house. And we're easily conquered. And we're not even turning to God because we're busy bickering at each other. This illustrates, I think, how God allows the testing into our lives as believers. So we all can get to see his grace and power at work. In the end, this will be a result. It will, it will move us to praise God. And, and a whole lot more. So give thanks to God. No matter what you're battling, for the battle really is the Lord's. And he is merciful. His love endures forever. And you're going to say, oh, preacher, that's easy for you to say. You've never been through anything like I've been through. Well, I would differ with you. Uh, I've been through a lot in my life. And it seems like it just never really ever ends. And the only thing I have is to pray to the Lord. It's all I have at my disposal. God singly handed dispatched this army uh, of these Moabites, uh, Edomites. And, and so one day forever they dared to fight against him. And could that be us? And how can it be when we never take up arms against the Lord? Have we done that? We may never outwardly curse God and seek to destroy the church that he's established. But there is a divine D-Day that may end up being a day of destruction for us if we are not careful. I know there's somebody going to email me and say, well, I'm saved, and I'm always going to be saved, and it doesn't matter what I do or say. And the answer, to, uh, my reply will be this. It does matter. You still, uh, you can be baptized, say your magical prayer or whatever, but if you're not faithful to the Word of God, uh, you're, you're standing in very deep danger. God, why would he tolerate that? Think about this. If you're a parent 
and your child continually defiles you, he doesn't take out the trash. You beg him over and over and over again, and he never does. Or she never washes the dishes or never helps mow the yard, whatever. And you keep telling them that's the rules, you got to do it. And if they don't, what are you going to do? I mean, if you're a parent that says, oh, well, I guess I'll just go do it myself, uh, they, then the child knows that they got by with it. There's no repercussions. Now, I know my parents would have uh, cracked a whip, and you better have done what you were told to do. And really, that's what God is. He's the same way. He's patient with us. He'll ask us countless times until the day we die. But if we die and we have not obeyed, there's, there's going to be problems. Joel, back to, to Joel, verse 13. Uh, Joel writes, Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Uh, comparing Judgment Day to the Harvest Day is, is really just an illustration. And Jesus would also use this very same illustration. And it's so familiar, uh, we may fail to see it ourselves in this picture. Perhaps this illustration will make us all stop for just a moment and reflect. A farmer noticed that every autumn, a tragedy played out in his cornfields. All summer long, the field uh, was full of mice, okay? And they made their homes among the growing plants. They ate, they slept, and they played, raised families in there. The mice immigrated and those green fields, uh, they belong to them. But then one day when summer ends, the mouse community would get this awful shock. The farmer entered the field with his harvesting machines, right? These large combines here in America. And all of a sudden, those comfortable summer homes and food pantries uh, that the mice had really enjoyed will come crashing down over their head. And so can you see this similarity between the field of mice and people? Do we look upon this world as our home, and so day after day we go off to work, we earn money, or we try to earn it anyway, we play, uh, we get married, have children, and we imagine this world as our home. And will always be our home. The young people, because I was young once, we they don't see that someday they're going to be old. And they don't see that at some point they're going to be the next generation that will be uh, entering that stage of uh, dying. You know, remember the mice. And you might, you might want to ask yourself, am I forgetting that this world is not mine? This is just a temporary place. And that's to say there is a harvest day coming. You know, we, we, ha we sing these songs in worship, especially when I was younger. Uh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Okay? Do we, we sing it, but do we believe it? Do we really believe and know the day of judgment is really coming? 
It will come for all of us. Whether we die physically and enter a grave or Jesus appears in the next five minutes, we all will face judgment. And it's not the same as being ready, okay? Here's an example. Again, I'm using D-Day as an example because we just went through D-Day here on June 6th. German intelligence knew that the Allies were going to evade on this day. How then do you explain that many German officers, including the commanding general, would go on leave during the weekend of the attack? I think it was because they underestimated the strength and the resolve of the Allies, and they figured that even if the Allies did attack, that they would have time to get back to the front line and kind of clean up or sort things out. It really was a fatal underestimation of the enemy. Okay? And are you making the same fatal mistake in regard to Judgment Day? Do you treat your faith like a weekend hobby and taking off on Monday through Saturday? You know, you go to worship on Sunday morning for an hour, and then you say, well, I, I leave my faith at the door. I'm here to work, make money, get, you know, uh, and take advantage of people or whatever. You don't show any Christian love, no Christian courtesy. Nobody at work or school would even know that you're a Christian by the way you talk and by the way you act. And then, you know, maybe you're a supervisor and you tell everybody that you go to worship and that you, you believe. But you say so many uh, things are not truthful, they're half-truths. Uh, you talk down to people, you treat them poorly. And you wonder why the church is not growing or why nobody really wants to really be converted to what you are doing. Okay? So... Again, back to Joel chapter 3, verses 14 and, and 16. Listen here to Joel's third description of Judgment Day. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem, the earth and sky will tremble. This valley of decision really is just another name of the valley of Jehoshaphat, okay? And Joel described all that earlier, we read. This valley is not so much of a place as it is an event. And of course, this event that I'm trying to get across here is a divine D-Day. And its description of, of this valley of decision because it was going to happen on the judgment day of God. No man will make any decision that day. There will be no appeal court. The decision will be clear. It will be cut. And the Hebrew word here, while I'm thinking about this, judge, to judge, comes from the word that means to cut. And so on judgment day, God will cut or divide Mankind in two, two groups, like I said in the introduction. And this, these two groups will be 
forever and eternity this way. They will have those who put their faith on in the Son, washed in the blood of Jesus for forgiveness, right up to the very end will be saved. And those who rejected Jesus or even made their personal life more important than their spiritual life and their faith will be banished from God's presence forever. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't make you one. There's an old saying, uh, just because you sit in the hen house doesn't make you uh, a hen. If you're a rooster, you're a rooster. Okay, You can be in there all day long. Nothing's going to change when it comes to that. And so there will be no pleading. There will no be plea bargains uh, with God on this day. Indeed, who will get a word here? And what Joel describes is God is a roar so that the sky and the earth tremble. I mean, look, even the sun and the moon and the stars won't dare show on this day. It will be a day of darkness as well as it was on the day that Jesus was crucified. Sounds frightening, really, doesn't it? And, and I believe it will be frightening for all of those who have rejected Jesus. And believe me, you've rejected Jesus, even though you might say you're Christian, but you're living a very dark lifestyle. And I'm not saying that we all don't sin, because we do. But when you go out and, and it just clearly do not really care about God at all, why, you know, you don't talk to God except for an hour on Sunday. Uh, I mean, you just really need God in your life. And I know it's difficult. And I know that sounds really maybe shallow for some people. It is hard for preachers, pastors, elders. It's hard for the person sitting next to you. We are sinful people by nature. We are surrounded by sin. We are constantly tempted and bombarded and told it's okay. Uh, you can do what you want, live what you want, say what you want. And until, you know, you do it, say something to the wrong person, then look out. Think back again to D-Day and the invasion, if you're familiar with it. I know they're even talking about not even teaching this anymore because they don't know that, that if this is really accurate in history. You know, that's too bad because, you know, I had a great uncles who fought in, in World War II. And I guarantee you, they went somewhere and they fought on a beach called Normandy. And they will tell you, they would have told you all about it. And the pillboxes that the Germans had construction constructed, excuse me, on the day on, on the Normandy coast was a refuge for, for the German soldiers. In spite of all this, they, the shelling that went on, these structures continued to stand up and they protected. These were really great constructed pillboxes. I mean, they were really strong. And the only reason, again, that pillboxes were captured is because the soldiers inside eventually just simply ran out of ammunition. And God, of course, is even better 
refuge than these German-built pillboxes, okay? They are stationary structures on Normandy's coast. In fact, I've been told you can still go see them. They're still there. And God is with us everywhere. And Psalm 46, verse 1, this is why King David called God an ever-present present help in trouble. So with God as our refuge, the darkness of the divine D-Day will not be frightening to us as believers. We are to be Christian soldiers. You know, we're, we're in a battle. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are. And again, with God as our refuge, the darkness uh, will not be that frightening. The loneliness and the guilt of our sin with the looming blood test, the frustration or the lack and adequate of housing. There's nothing for us as believers because the Lord cares for those who trust in Him. He surrounds us with His love, His protection. He surrounds us with the cleansing blood of His Son. I cannot imagine what it must have been like on D-Day in 1944. The movies I've seen are scary enough. But a D-Day even more dramatic than the one of 1944 is coming. And the question really is, are you ready for it? Will you end up shut up in darkness forever? I mean, Matthew chapter 25, verse 30 says, And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Cut off from God's love for all eternity, but not from his hatred for your sin. That doesn't have to be that way doesn't have to be this divine D-Day like that for you or for me. There is a deliverance. There is protection. And that protection is Christ as your Savior. You know, we have the same picture as King Jehoshaphat as he marches towards this valley and singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Amen. I wanted to encourage you to find a congregation that teaches the entire truth of God's word. I want you to pray and ask God to help you find such a group. You know, a lot of times I'm involved with small groups in people's homes. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as they're teaching the Word of God. They're opening the Bible, they're reading it, they're discussing it, trying to learn and grow their knowledge, encouraging the young people, uh, young Christians. Now, they can be 80 years old, but they can still be a young Christian. And encourage them and help them become soldiers for Christ. Nothing wrong with that. And so... The church started off in houses and I and people's homes, and I'm a, I can't help but wonder at some point the church will end up back in people's homes on a permanent basis until the judgment day. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just talking out loud. 
I certainly hope that the podcast is encouraging you to open your Bible, to study your Bible, to pray uh, to God. Keep God in your life seven days a week. I continually pray. I'm continually trying to take in the Word of God each and every day. And I still have major struggles in my life. And no matter what, I'm probably going to have them until the day I go to be with the Lord. And we need to help each other. We need to encourage each other in a good, positive way. Don't have a problem with that. But I promise you, groups like Joe Olstein will never talk about this D-Day that's coming. The Bible can make you feel good, and there's lots of great messages, and that great message really is the gospel itself, that Jesus was born, he is the Son of God, he lived a perfect life, he suffered, he died, he bled, he was buried, and third day he walked out of that grave. That's the gospel message. He defeated sin and death so that you and I would never have to suffer and die spiritually. I hope and pray that you would really do that. There's a lot of churches, lots of flavors of churches, all kinds of names on buildings. Okay, the building is not the church, it's the people inside. Jesus did not die for brick and mortar, wood and, and stone, whatever, carpeting. He died for the people inside. And the question then comes to, are they really teaching the truth and the entire Word of God? That's the question. And that's the challenge to find that particular group that teaches from Genesis 1 to the maps of your Bible. You hear me, if you're a regular listener, say this constantly. They're not teaching their favorite subject day after day, week after week, their favorite chapter, uh, whatever. Nothing wrong with having a favorite chapter, nothing wrong with having your favorite subject, uh, and stressing the importance of that subject or whatever, that's fine. But there's so much more. Yeah, it's just a journey of life to study. And the more I study and read, and especially prepare for this podcast, the more I realize how deep God's Word really is. Well, I've rattled on long enough. Again, I really would encourage you to be in prayerful consideration to help us as we overcome a natural disaster in our area. That happened a couple of months ago. We're still financially trying to recover from that. We're still doing cleanups. And, and so we really uh, could use a little helping hand. Prayers are greatly appreciated. We do pray for our listeners. We pray seriously for this podcast to give out the correct, honest truthful Bible teaching. Again, I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. 
subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you, and may He have the glory.